Now, if you're here for the first time, special welcome to you. We are just so glad that you're here, and um, you are so welcome at our family. If you didn't know, we're doing a three-part series in the book of Romans chapter 6, and sadly, this is actually our last week in our series, um, as we take a look at verses 15 to 23, which Ollie so eloquently read out to us earlier. Now, essentially, just to summarize quickly what Paul has talked about so far in the book of Romans chapter 6, Paul has first started with an objection, right? He's trying to predict what some of his readers might be thinking, and he says, should we keep sinning just because we can receive more grace? And Paul has talked about how we have then been saved from the penalty of sin, right? And so how I like to describe this is instead of being dead in sin, which is what Ephesians 2 teaches us, we've become dead to sin. Right? The penalty of our sin has been dealt with for us through Jesus. So we are no longer dead in sin, we're dead to sin. But also Paul then talks about how we've been saved from the power of our sin. And Tony described it really well last, last week when he said that sin is no longer our boss. Now the passage last week ended on verse 14, which will be behind me. It says, for sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. And that's a beautiful truth, isn't it? But unfortunately, even that truth can be twisted and abused. And so Paul has concluded this chapter by introducing a new objection. And this objection is in verse 15. So read with me from verse 15. It says, What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, but under grace? So what's Paul trying to say here? He's basically saying, well, if I'm saved from the law of God, does that even matter anymore? Can we just throw it out since Jesus has won? Does this give us a license to sin whenever and however we want? And does this mean that we shouldn't care about our sin anymore? Or should, should we just not take it seriously? I wonder how many people in this room have felt this way before. I know I have. When we sin, and instead of feeling shameful and um, grieving over our sin, we say, ah, but God forgives me anyway. I have His grace. And what is Paul's reaction to this? Well, he says, by no means, which Ollie told us basically means that is insane. Right? And that's why we have our series this, this week, Insanity of Sin. So as we wrap up our series, we're going to look at how sin makes no sense because Christ is our master now. Let me say that again. Sin makes no sense because Christ is our master now. And as slaves of righteousness, we should take our sins seriously as we are called to live a life in pursuit of holiness and devotion to God out of a heart of thankfulness of His grace. So tonight, as we get into the, the Word, I want to ask three things of you. So first of all, Get out your Bibles. Read with me, right? Whether you have a physical copy with you or get your phone out, let's read the Bible together because I don't want to just read the Bible to you. 
I want to read the Bible with you. And if you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. We at City Reach, we would love to give you a Bible. So if that's a problem, come speak to us. We'd love to talk to you about that. Secondly, get out your notebooks and let's take notes. Because when we take notes, we remember more. We can also reflect in the future. And thirdly, get involved in the discussion. So how tonight's going to work is we're actually going to base these, this talk on three sections. And after every section, we're going to stop. We're going to break off into some small groups. We're actually going to have some questions to just discuss together. And so I want to, I want to encourage you to get involved in our discussions. But before we get into that, let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you so much for who you are, Lord, and thank you so much that you are a God of love, but you are a God of grace. That no matter, Lord, how sinful we are, no matter how many times we've failed, that you are still there, that you still love us, and that you still forgive us and give us grace. But help us, Lord, to take our sin seriously, to not abuse your grace, but to look at it with thankfulness and help us to shape our lives around you. And teach us more as we get into your word, we pray. Amen. All right, church. Well, with your Bibles, let's read from verse 16. Paul says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? So that brings us to our very first section of the night, part one. We are all slaves to whom we obey. We are all slaves to whom we obey. So we are all slaves, right? You're a slave, I'm a slave, the person on your right's a slave. We're all slaves. How do you feel about that, church? I'm sorry if that's a bit confronting. I'm sorry if that's a bit, I'm sorry if that's a bit offensive. But the reality is that we all serve one of two masters, either sin or God. If you don't believe me, look at the text from verse 16. It says that we are either slaves of sin or or of obedience. And by obedience, as we look at the context of the passage, it's referring to the obedience we have to God and His commands. And notice that we can only be a servant of one of these masters. So we can't be a slave to neither, and we can't be a slave to both. So first of all, we can't be a slave to neither. So for all those strong and independent people in the room tonight, this actually means that we can't be our own masters. We can't be the own masters of our own lives. As Tony said last week, sin is not the boss, But the truth actually extends further because we're not the boss either. Isn't that so countercultural in our world today? We live in a world where we call all the shots because it's our life and we can do whatever makes us happy. This can make us apathetic to our sin because we think that we're our own master now. But the reality is that when we reject God, Sin becomes our master. Because sin is, simply put, just our heart attitude of rejecting God. So when we don't choose God, 
really, we choose sin. So we can't be a slave to neither, but we also can't be a slave to both. Right? So for all you fence-sitters in the room tonight, this is unfortunately a topic where we can't sit on the fence. Right? You can't just have the best of both worlds here. We can't just choose the perks of being a slave to righteousness, which is, of course, eternal life, but also the perks of being a slave to sin, which is freedom to sin. Now, the Bible makes it clear that you can't have two masters, as Jesus says in Matthew 6.24. He says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. So church, are we going to be a slave to sin or to God? The Bible is clear that you can only be a slave to one or the other. So we have a decision to make. But how do you know what kind of servant you are? That's a good question, Campbell. Well, how do you find out who's ma- who the master is that you serve? Well, verse 16 makes it clear that we are the slaves of the one whom we obey. Now, this is a very basic principle of slavery, isn't it? As slaves, we have to obey someone Either God or sin. Either we seek to obey the commands of God or we reject his commands. We live according to our own fleshly desires and thereby obey the ways of sin. Now, the book of Romans makes it very clear that we are actually saved by grace alone through faith alone. Amen? However, obedience is still a crucial part of our faith. It's so important that Paul actually does something really interesting in the book of Romans. Now, I'm not sure how many people know this, but did you know? In the book of Romans, is actually bookended by one key phrase. Now, what's the key phrase? Well, if you look at Romans chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about, get this, the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Now similarly, have a look at what Paul says when he concludes his letter in chapter 16. He says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, verse 26, to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. See, Paul uses this phrase, obedience of faith, twice, both at the start of his letter and at the end of the letter, to make it clear that Jesus was actually revealed to us to help bring about the obedience of faith, or in other words, the obedience that comes from faith for the glory of his name. So as we come back to Paul's argument here, why should we care about our sin? And not just continue to sin freely, because we are all slaves to the one whom we obey. Let me say that again. We are all slaves to the one whom we obey. Therefore, if you're here tonight, and if if you feel like you've just been drowning in your own sin with no or little care, I want to encourage you to ask yourself the question, who am I obeying? Am I seeking to obey God through my faith or my sin?
Because whoever is the answer to those questions is likely to be who you're serving as a slave. So who are you serving? Are you a slave to sin or to God? Well, brothers and sisters, that brings us to the very end of the first part of tonight's talk. So what I want you to do now is just break off into small groups of two or three max, and I want you to ask yourselves these three questions. So I'll give you about two minutes. Feel free to tackle those. All right, church. Well, I hope that was helpful. This brings us to a second section of our night tonight, part two. We are now slaves of Christ. Now, let's continue to read from our Bibles from verse 17, but pay attention to the type of language that Paul uses. He, he uses a combination of both past and present tense, right? So let's read from verse 17. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, that's past tense, have become obedient from the heart, that's present tense, to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, that's past tense, have become slaves of righteousness, that's present tense. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, that's past tense, and lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. So now, present tense, present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Now, have you noticed the pattern here? See, these verses teach us that we all were once a slave of sin. Every single one of us. 
as, as we sought to satisfy our flesh and live lives apart from God. But Paul says that we now have been set free from sin. And we know that this freedom is due to our Lord Jesus through the shedding of his own blood for us. He has paid the price to set us free from our bondage to sin so that now we are slaves of righteousness. Now, didn't Jesus say in the famous verse, and I want you to complete the sentence, when Jesus said, whom the Son sets free... Let's try that again. That was, that was, come on, some energy. Whom the Son sets free, I was free indeed. So that now we are slaves of righteousness. So now, slaves of righteousness, is that the, is that, that's not the most joyful or positive term, is it? You wouldn't go around saying, hey guys, I'm beneath, I'm a slave of God, would you? Maybe you would, I, I don't know, but I, I certainly wouldn't. However, I think the reason why we're hesitant about the word slave is because we actually have a very negative connotation to the word slavery, don't we? But what we need to realize is that modern slavery is very different to what it looked like in biblical times. It's important to know that slavery can either be voluntary or involuntary. And when we in the modern world think of slavery, we often just think of the involuntary kind, right? So I wouldn't be surprised if for most of you, the very first thing that comes to mind when you think of slavery is the disgusting and brutal treatment of slaves in the regions of Africa and North America. Or maybe of human trafficking, which... Unfortunately, even now is still a significant issue. For many, we think of people, including even women and children, who have been captured, who have been beaten and been forced to work and labor for their horrible masters. My family, involuntary slavery is grotesque, it is inhumane, it is unacceptable. So church, is this the kind of slavery that Paul is inviting us into when he says, slave of God? Of course not, right? If if anything, involuntary slavery just really describes our slavery to sin. However, there's another type of slavery, which is of the voluntary kind. Voluntary slavery is far more prevalent in biblical times and was likely the type of slavery that Paul was talking about in this chapter. You see, in biblical times, many people became slaves so that they could escape poverty, so that they could work, or because they had to pay off a debt. And slavery was often just contracted for a certain amount of time, most commonly seven years, or when their debt had been paid. So while involuntary slavery can describe our sin, voluntary slavery really just describes our slavery to God. Now, here's an image for you to to picture it. So why don't you close your eyes and imagine two fields, one being owned by God and the other being owned by sin. Unfortunately, we have been captured by sin, put in chains and forced to work as involuntary slaves for our master. 
Sin rules over us with fear, cruelty, manipulation, and pain as we toil hard for him. However, the good master of the field, of the other field, comes to the field and out of his love for us, was willing to pay the price to redeem us. So if we're willing to accept him and his sacrifice, Christ has freed us from sin by paying the price for us through his blood. So now we have been given a choice. Are we going to continue to slave away to sin? Or are we going to leave with Jesus and work in obedience for him? You see, by being his servant, Jesus has become our master. And he rules over us with love, grace, and compassion, not with fear and wickedness. So we are slaves of God. Now, just in case you're still not convinced that being a slave of righteousness is a, a groovy term, have a look at what Paul, how Paul sees his title. Right? So I want you guys to flick over all the way to Romans chapter 1, the very first chapter. Now, something you need to know is the Greek word for slave is doulos. Now, everyone say doulos. Now, doulos is Greek for either slave or servant or bondservant, right? So why don't you read with me from verse 1 of chapter 1. So the very first verse of this book when Paul introduces himself. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, that is a doulos of Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now, did you see that? How crazy is it to think that before anything, in his introduction to the Romans, he first calls himself a servant of God before even calling himself an apostle. Clearly, this was a title of pride and of importance to Paul. In fact, he actually does this. He mentions that he's first to say a slave in his letters to Titus and to the Philippians as well. And in fact, other authors like Jude and Peter and James do the same thing in their letters. So my brothers and sisters, we don't have to be ashamed or hesitant to call ourselves slaves of God. In fact, it's a title that we can wear with pride. So what I want you to do is stand up where you are. And I want you to turn to the person on your left and I want you to say to them, I am a slave of God. <laughs> All right, now I want you to turn to the person on your right and I want, to, I want you to say, I am a slave of righteousness. <laughs> Amen, you can take a seat. See, this is a, this is a term, this is, this is actually our identity. Not only are we God's people, not only are we his vessels or his ambassadors or his witnesses, we are his slaves, his servants. That is who we are. So if you you feel like you're stuck in the pattern of your own sin at the moment, I want you to remember not only who it is who you're obeying, I want you to remember who it is that you are. You are no longer a slave to sin. You are a slave to Christ. Remember who you are and who it is that is your master. 
Let me say that again. Remember who you are and who it is that is your master. So brothers and sisters, that brings us to the end of our second section for tonight. So I want, to, I want you to go back into your little small groups. We've got three more questions for you. I'll give you a couple of minutes to discuss amongst yourselves. All right, church, we're on our home stretch now. This leads us to our third and final section of the night. Part three, new life as slaves of righteousness. So we've heard and compared both slavery to sin and slavery to God. But what now? How are we to now live as slaves of righteousness? Let's continue to read from verse 21. Paul says, but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of these things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So how are we to now live as slaves of righteousness? Well, the first thing we can learn about how we are to live is that we should take our sin seriously. Our sin should actually bring us shame, not apathy. 
Have a look again at verse 21. Paul is saying that the sins of our past should bring us shame because it leads to death. As we know, sin is no longer our master. Christ is, and we have eternal life in him. So we shouldn't continue to just tolerate our, own, our old ways. We don't work for sin any longer. Going back to our analogy of the two fields, Well, if you're a slave to God, then why would you want to go back to work for sin again in his field? Realize that you have been set free. That is why sin doesn't make sense anymore. It's because Christ is our new master now. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, how we live matters. Let me say that again. How we live matters. We shouldn't tolerate our sin any longer, but we should turn from our sin, knowing that we have a new master now. So firstly, we should take our sin seriously. Second, while the fruit of sin leads to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, as it says in verse 19, notice what verse 22 says, the fruit of being a slave to God is. It's sanctification. Now, maybe you're here tonight and you don't know what sanctification means. That's okay. Sanctification is the process by which the Holy Spirit, which is God himself, works in our own hearts to make us more and more holy. Because we, as God's people, we are called to be holy because our God is holy, as it says in 1 Peter 1. Therefore, a slave of righteousness is someone who is pursuing increasing holiness not increasing lawlessness. We are to be pursuing the fruit of the Spirit, as it describes in Galatians 5, to be love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, I realize that for some of you, that actually might be very difficult to hear. Maybe you're here tonight, and though you really want to be pursuing holiness, you just can't help but keep falling into sin. I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, that holiness, the way to holiness, is a process. It's not just a one-time moment. Every day is a decision to not be a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. Let me say that again. Every day is a decision not to be a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. So this is the path to holiness. It is one that constantly and continually decides to live for God, not for sin. All right, finally, as important as it is to take our sin seriously and to pursue a life of holiness after the likeness of our master, it is essential to remember that we as human beings are broken, that we are bound to make mistakes. However, instead of accepting that and just taking advantage of God's grace, we should continually give thanks to God for the free gift of his grace. Praise God that even when we fall, 
God being the loving and compassionate master that he is, is always willing to forgive and offer grace when we come to him. Now have a look again at verse 23. Now the workers amongst us would know that wages is really what you earn, right? And so you get what you deserve when you work for sin, which unfortunately is death. But when we work for Christ, we get a free gift, which is something that we don't deserve. So by the free gift of God's grace, we receive eternal life. And this is not anything, this is not because of anything that we have done for him, but because of everything that he has done for us. It's not because of anything that we've done for him, but because of everything that Jesus has done for us. So what should drive our desire to take our sin seriously, leave it behind and pursue a life of holiness? It shouldn't be out of a heart of legalism, right? Of proving yourself to God. But nor should it be the other extreme of liberalism, which is taking grace for granted. Instead, our heart of thankfulness for God's free gift of grace should drive this desire to live a life worthy of a slave of God. Tim Keller, my, probably my favorite author, he says it pretty well. He says, when we realize the purpose of Christ's death, and as we think of it in gratitude, we find a new incentive to be holy. Let me read that again. When we realize the purpose of Christ's death, and as we think of it in gratitude, it gives us a new incentive to be holy. So family, why doesn't sin make sense? Sin makes no sense because Christ is our master now. And as slaves of righteousness, we should take our sins seriously as we are called to live lives of obedience, of holiness and devotion to Christ out of a heart of thankfulness for God's grace. Now, I want to acknowledge that that's a lot of theory tonight, but it's a lot harder to actually apply. It's a lot harder practically, and I want to be honest with you firsthand in that I'm certainly not perfect in this. In fact, I've been battling with sin myself for the past few weeks, and I've noticed certain sins in my own life, in my own heart, that I haven't been dealing with. And it's actually been eating me alive as it grows and grows to become giants. And I had the blessing of confessing to some of my brothers who are here tonight, and I'm very thankful for you. I'm very thankful for the grace of God. But I don't want to take God's grace and his forgiveness for granted. Or I don't want to take it as an excuse to just keep on sinning. But instead, out of a heart of thankfulness for his grace, I want to leave behind my sin and pursue a life worthy of God's life. So church, as we approach the end of tonight, Instead of going back into small group discussion, what we're going to do is actually just break into some personal time of reflection and of prayer. See, Romans 3 says that we are all sinners. 
right? Every single one of us. And it says in 1 John 1 that not a single one of us is without fault. And if we say that we're without fault, we're actually just deceiving ourselves. But there's a beautiful promise in verse 9. It says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a beautiful truth? I think it's really important to remember that though we are all broken sinners, God still loves us so much. In fact, Romans 5, 8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In fact, one of my favorite gospel verses, 1 Timothy 1.15 says that Christ came into the world to save sinners. And as we've talked about before, he has set us free. So church, as we close tonight, why don't you spend some time just by yourself in quiet reflection and ask yourself the following questions. Are there sins in your life that you haven't been dealing with? What is your attitude to your sin? Does it bring shame and guilt or do you just simply not care? And finally, how do you think God would feel about your sin? Why don't we just spend some time in reflection and in prayer, confessing our sins to God and thanking Him for the free gift of His grace.
Church, I recognise that this talk might have brought some things from your heart out and that's okay. Let's thank God for his conviction and for revealing those things and I just want to say that if there's things in your life that you're struggling with, please speak up. I was struggling and I had the, the blessing of brothers around me and I hope you know that you have the same. We've got brothers and sisters around you. We'd love to pray for you. And in fact, Ollie and I will be at the front and we'd love to pray for you. You can go up to your young adults leader or your friend because this is what fellowship is all about. It's about helping one another through our burdens. If you're here tonight and... So you might want to live a life of holiness and of devotion to God. That might seem great, but you're really just struggling with your sin. We'd love to talk to you. But for now, let me pray. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that you are the good and gracious King. That despite the many times that we turn from you, Lord, that we, that we reject you, that we live life our own way, that, Father, you still love us so much. Lord, your grace and your love are just so undeserved, and we just thank you so much for them. And help us, Lord, to live a life that is worthy to be your servant. Help us to live a life that reflects you in everything that we do. And for the, for the sins in each and every one of our hearts, Lord, as as we're all sinners, Lord, as we deal with these sins, help us by your Spirit to overcome them as we rely on you, but also help us, Lord, to, to seek help as we know we have family in you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Help us all to live out of thankfulness for what you have done. We pray in your name. Amen.